Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views from the Men in Tights podcast. Oh, said that all in one breath, wow. I hope you all are having a wonderful, wonderful week so far. Uh, and if not, I hope eventually it gets better. And as always, please make sure you subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox Radio, Public YouTube, or wherever you find the Men in Tights podcast. And follow me on Twitter at IamFawsitude for all future podcast information. And I'm about to sneeze. I feel it coming, but it's not there yet. Bear with me. It'll get there eventually. Now, this episode of Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views is all about the WWF Royal Rumble 2000, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary exactly today, Thursday, January 23rd, 2020, the 20th anniversary. And this is one of my absolute favorite wrestling pay-per-views of all time, uh, and not necessarily because the whole pay-per-view was great, I mean, I had a lot of fun stuff. But it's one of my favorites, which, I mean, I'll, I'll get it to it, don't worry. Uh, and I was beyond excited to rewatch the show again before recording this. I rewatched it uh, actually just a couple hours ago, I've just finished watching it. Uh, now, let's go ahead and take another trip down memory lane. Uh, the first matchup that we had was Kurt Angle versus the debuting Taz. Yes, the WWF in-ring debut of ECW legend Taz with two Zs this time. It was just Taz with one Z in ECW. <clears throat> WWF had their trademark. They like to trademark the name, so they added a second Z. So then they owned Taz with two Zs. And this was also when uh, I still had yet to come around to realizing just how truly great of a wrestler Kurt Angle really was. Uh, eventually I got there, and now he's one of my all-time favorites. <clears throat> uh, there was also a lot of hype uh, surrounding the debut of Taz, especially coming straight off of being the ECW World Champion for most of 1999, uh, with a lot of vignettes popping up for several weeks on Raw and SmackDown, and, you know, it, the, the hype was there. We were all greatly anticipating that he was going to you know, make his debut soon, and then they announced that Kurt Angle was going to have a mystery opponent for the Royal Rumble. And yeah, we all we all speculated it would be him. Uh, and then when they hit his entrance music, uh, which you just heard a little while ago, uh, a sample of it at least, uh, the fans in Madison Square Garden went nuts. And so did myself and my brothers and my brother's friends uh, who were over at our house watching the show with us. You know, we had a, we had a good time with this. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty quick match. It was just a little over three minutes, but I mean, it was it was a good fast pace. You know, it had fans invested from bell to bell, move for move. Uh, they did not leave much room for 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 rest, uh, and it all culminated with the Taz mission, putting Angle to sleep, ending his almost three month long undefeated streak, and awarding Taz with his very first victory in the WWF. <sighs> and unfortunately, the rest of his in-ring WWF career wouldn't pan out quite like we all hoped it would have gone. Then we followed this up with 
the Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys in a tables match. The first, but obviously not the last, tables match in WWF slash E history. And this was just the latest chapter in the growing three-team rivalry of the Hardy Boys versus the Dudley Boys versus Edge and Christian. However, E and C would sit this match out uh, in the meantime, all until WrestleMania 2000, which, you know, get to that eventually. Uh, and this match was also fairly short, I mean, a little longer, a little longer than the uh, opening match. Uh, but, you know, it sounds like to be expected for, you know, all the Rumble pay-per-views. Because the Rumble match itself usually goes on for, you know, an hour or more sometimes. Uh, so, you know, you're going to get these shorter matches. You know, either shorter matches or fewer matches. Anyway, this was, a, this was a very good match, you know, regardless of how long it went. You know, with the highlight, of course, being the now iconic shot of Jeff Hardy delivering a swanton bomb off the balcony uh, in the audience. Uh, or in the crowd, or whatever you want to call it, onto an awaiting Devon Dudley through a table to score the victory for him and his brother Matthew Moore Hardy. Um, and we then had a backstage segment after this where uh, an EMT was uh, checking up on Kurt Angle and all after he you know got choked out by Taz with the Taz mission, and all Kurt, Kurt cared about was you know that he was still undefeated because Taz used an, an illegal chokehold to to win the match. You know, that's, that's just classic Kurt Angle when he was, you know, the, the super, super goody-two-shoes character. And then after this one, we had the Miss Rumble Bikini Contest. Yeah, Ivory, Terry Runnels, and Jacqueline, and Barbara Bush, not the, not the, not from the political family. Uh, the late Luna Vachon, uh, and the cat, or Miss Kitty, or Stacey Carter, or whatever you want to call her, uh, and Mae Young taking her clothes off at the end. <laughs> yeah, this actually happened. <laughs> Gotta love the attitude there, am I right? Now, there really isn't much else that I can say about this, except if you've never seen it before, get on the WWE Network and experience the whole damn thing for yourselves. And after this, we had Hardcore Holly versus China versus Chris Jericho in a triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship. And... Um, now, the story behind this match uh, is that after some shenanigans went on in a previous title match between Chris Jericho and China, uh, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley uh, designated that China and Chris Jericho would be co-holders of the Intercontinental Championship, co-champions, if you will. Uh, and then Hardcore Holly defeated both of them in singles matches, you know, for a couple of weeks on Raw and SmackDown. And they decided... You know, or, or hardcore Holly, at least, rather, in a promo saying, you know, I defeated Jericho, I defeated China, so by my math, I should be the Intercontinental Champion right now. You know, which is just funny because all I can think about is, you know, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard podcast where he's just, I about to give me the belt, then I beat everybody. <laughs> uh. <sighs> which, uh, you, you should, if you're not listening to that podcast, you should check it out, especially, and you start with the with the hardcore Holly episode. It's a, it's a long episode, but you you get to hear all about the whole "give me the belt, beat everybody," you know thing. Um, and but yeah, then it was decided that they would be in a triple threat match for to crown rather the undisputed intercontinental champion. You know, which you know it's a good story, right? You know, 
And at the time, I remember that I was really, really wanting Hardcore Holly to win this match. And it's probably the only one in my household at the time who, who wanted to see that happen. I mean, I don't know for sure. You know, I can't really say. You know, maybe I can ask my brothers and see what, and see what they tell me. Um, but the fans in MSG that night were certainly 100% behind Chris Jericho. That was very clear if you paid attention to the crowd while watching the match. I mean, it was a good match, though. You know, you know, even though it's just you know, watching it again for the first time this week. Uh, you know, or first time in a very long time, rather. I realized that it wasn't as good as I remembered it being when I first saw it 20 years ago. Uh, but still, you know, I enjoyed it and... You know, even though 20 years, 20 years ago I wanted Holly to win the IC title, I was, at back then and now, happy that Jericho uh, was the one that got the win with after Alliance salt onto China and, you know, became the undisputed Intercontinental Champion that night. Um, and, you know, and he would go on to have more great IC title matches, you know, throughout his WWE career. Uh, with the last being in 2009, when he had his feud with Rey Mysterio. That was the last time he was IC champion, right? So I, I remember that being that, right? Because then after that, he was the he was a world champion a, a couple more times, and then uh, won the U.S. title in, in 2016. But anyways, then um, uh, we followed this on up uh, with a promo uh, backstage with The Rock. Uh, where he joked that he that if he can get past Crash Holly and Headbanger Mosh, that he might have a chance to win the Royal Rumble match. Um, and I'll admit, I actually chuckled at this when watching it. Um, but anyways, next to the next match, we had the New Age Outlaws defending the WWF Tag Team Championships against the APA. And this one had some, you know, good hype behind it. You know, I really did, because... I mean, also, back th at that time, the tag team division in WWF was, was really hot. It really was. Um, this match in particular had a lot of hype, because a matchup... They had another match, like, a few weeks or a couple months before, uh, where they had actually, like, broken the ring uh, during it, which, you know, added to the excitement and drama for it. So, so the ex expectations were, were at a decent level for this match. Um, but we got... Ended up being the shortest match on the entire show, clocking it at a mere 2 minute 39 seconds. And wasn't quite as exciting as we all wanted it to be. Uh, which really sucks because both teams are awesome. They're two of my favorites. Three three of them are Hall of Famers now. I'm wondering when JBL's going to eventually get that Hall of Fame induction. Maybe this coming year he'll get it. Or this coming WrestleMania weekend he'll get it. Um, and in the end, Outlaws would retain. The tag titles after some interference from X-Pac, uh, securing a victory for D-Generation X on this night. Or at least the first victory. And then we come up to <sighs> Cactus Jack versus Triple H in a street fight for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And this is in my top 10 all-time favorite world title matches. Hell, you know, it's in my top 5. Not top, not just top ten. It's in my top five. Uh, that's how much I love this match, you know. And even the pre-match hype video was fucking amazing. It really is one of my absolute favorites. Um, and to me, this is the match that made Triple H, you know. And I know at this point, you know, he was already a solid main eventer, but this match cemented his name and his legacy as one of the greatest in WWF slash WWE history. It truly did. Uh, and when I was watching the, the pay-per-view again earlier, uh, this was the only match that, you know, because 
reading from notes that I took throughout the watching the show, this was the only match I actually stopped taking notes and just sat there and watched it as a fan. Like I no distractions, had my phone on silent, stopped taking notes on the laptop. I put the laptop on the side, blacked out the screen so I wouldn't see any notifications on there, and just watched the match as a fan. You know, and I really don't do that too often anymore. You know, and that's just unfortunate because I absolutely love professional wrestling. I, I truly, truly do. I mean, I really, really miss the days when we were all just fans rather than wannabe know-it-all critics. Anyway, let me take a quick drink. My throat's getting dry. The match told an absolutely amazing and beautiful story that even now, 20 years later, still manages to suck me in for every bit of it. Um, the weird thing, though, with this match, you know, when I was watching it again, and I caught it a couple of times years ago when I was watching it, but this one I really paid attention to it. The weird thing about it is when they're fighting up the aisleway, like in the early part of the match, the fans were actually chanting boring during that part of the match. And honestly, it really pissed me off because, I mean, these guys, they were having an absolute classic match. They were giving it, they were doing the best that they could. And, but then again, that's the thing about the Attitude Era, you know, because fans, wrestling fans, we were spoiled during that, during that time. We really aren't. That's something that I bring up a lot when I get into discussions with people about that. You know, the Attitude Era spoiled us. And that's why fans can't be satisfied by anything anymore. You know. <sighs> I mean, the other thing also that I remember from the match, or from the brawl rather, that was uh, when they were up the highway. That it's still, you know, even when I was watching it tonight, it made me wince uh, when you know Cactus laid out the 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 wooden pallets on the floor, and he suplexes Triple H onto them, and the piece of the wood broke off and s stabbed Triple H's left calf. Ugh. Dude, it looks so fucking bad. It really did. And I'm honestly surprised it, that, that 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 didn't get badly infected to where, you know, you know, he would have needed, you know, needed it amputated or something, you know? And, I mean, he did have it wrapped up for a good couple of months, though, and obviously he recovered from it pretty well, but still... You know, that 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 looked that that wound looked so bad because during the match like Triple H was pretty tan back then, but and you but that but that his calf like it darkened up so bad that like again I'm surprised it was it didn't get a bad infection, you know where there was like pus and other shit coming out of it, Ugh. like it was it was bad, but then again you know as a medical assistant I, medical assistant I see bad shit like that all the time and I love it, <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, but again, the story of this match is just so amazing, at least to me, because the whole the whole story, not just the match, the whole storyline, it's it's a redemption story for Mick Foley. You know, after he was uh, humiliated, embarrassed, and fired by the McMahon Helmsley regime um, or faction or faction, as Ashton Christian called them, uh, and, and then they. You know, had him fight a, in a pink slip match with with The Rock, where whichever one lost was fired, and and then they embarrassed him some more doing the skits where they had uh, I think it was Midian dressed up as Mankind to embarrass him some more. And 
Then eventually he makes his triumphant return to the WWF after The Rock and the rest of the WWF roster threatened to walk out on the company. And then he returned, made, made challenge Triple H to a street fight for the WWF title. And then in the, in the main event of that overall that night, Triple H, you know, beat the shit out of him, knocked him with the, with the ring bell, pedigree through the announce table. Um, and, you know, Foley, Mankind, he just snapped. It transformed into Cactus Jack that week. And, I mean, the episode of, the, of SmackDown when Cactus returned was awesome. And if you've never seen it before, just... I mean, the way Triple H sold it was just so perfect. Because, because it starts off with Triple H giving, you know, the typical Triple H promo of that era. And then Mankind comes out on stage, still wearing the same clothes from Raw, you know, from the Raw before that. With blood all over the shirt, sweatpants, and everything. Um, you know, and then he talking about that, you know, mankind, you know, the quote that I was like, they always, that I remember the most, he says, one thing mankind is not, is ready to face you in a street fight at the Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden, uh, uh but the WWE fans deserve a substitute in that match, and then one piece by piece, he takes off the mankind mask, pulls off the, the tie, rips off the, the bloody dress shirt, Revealing the iconic Wanted Dead Cactus Jack t-shirt. And the look on Triple H's face. Again, it was perfect. The way he sold that moment. Because again, it was literally just him opening, just pump, taking his shirt off. And Triple H sold it like, like, like he just saw, he, like he just saw, you know, someone rise from the dead. You know? Uh, again, it's just so perfect and you all should go out of your way to watch this segment. It's on the January 13th, 2000 episode of SmackDown. Go watch it ASAP. Seriously, that, that, I just love that moment so much. It's so great. Anyway, back to the match. Um, now, now these two men, they, they make it, they've never had a bad, they never had a bad match together at all, ever. To me, at least. I mean, it didn't matter if it was Mankind or Doolove or Cactus Shack versus the Blue Blood, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, uh, DX, you know, Hunter Hearst Helmsley or the game Triple H. They were the perfect yin and yang when they got in the ring together. And after, eventually after, you know, a good 10 minutes of fighting, you know, we got, we, we got the barbed wire 2x4, the signature item of Cactus Shack introduced in the match. And... Of course, Cactus, you know, he was the one that took the majority of the damage since, you know, that's it's what Foley was known for, and it was just easier to do it that way, you know? Um, but, you know, Triple H got a couple of good, you know, bumps in there, too. You know, not, not a lot, but he got some. And this will also lead to one of my favorite moments of the match, that Earl Hebner grabbed the, the, the barbed wire 2 by 4 and walked over to the Spanish announce table and had, had them hide it for him. And when Cactus, you know, realized that, that it was, that his barbed wire did before it was missing, he grabbed Earl Hebner and demanded to know where it was, and then he went out to the table, walked up to Hugo Savinovich, the, 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 the announcer, punched him out, demanding that they give him back his his 2 by 4 and then uh, Carlos Cabrera, he was like, you know, he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me give it to you, let me give it to you, and he gives him the barbed wire 2 by 4 which is funny because it wasn't even this, the same 2 by 4 you know, because the, the original one was still sitting on the side where Hugo was, was sitting. Uh, yeah, but it's whatever, you know, it, 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 it's okay. <laughs> Those little details, you know, what someone like me would notice, overall, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Anyways, fast forward a few more minutes, and, you know, we got uh, 
uh, bloodied up Triple H, uh, putting Cactus in handcuffs and starts beating him with a steel chair, uh, like why it had happened to Foley in the in his I Quit match against The Rock at the previous year's Royal Rumble, which that's another great match. But you know those chair shots. After a while, especially after seeing the Beyond the Mat documentary, those chair shots they're a little hard to watch. You know, and also you know with you know all the knowledge we have now about concussions and CTE, just chair shots to the head make me like I wince and cringe when I want to see them a lot now. It's like Earth. But anyways, uh, they they made their way up the aisle again, while Cactus is you know handcuffed. He's on his knees and he's like begging and begging and begging Triple H you know to hit him again. You know hit like hit like he's he, like he's shouting out get that get that get that. Um, and then when Triple H you know is getting ready to hit him one more time, uh, eventually the Rock shows up out of nowhere like an RKO and hits Triple H with a steel chair. Which, yeah, and it might have even been the same chair that he, he used on Mankind in the I Quit match. I mean, who knows? I mean, it certainly looked like it, at least. You know, it was you know, the shiny brown steel chair. Um, I don't know, I'll have to double-check that match again, to, to be sure. Um, and this then, you know, would bring us to the big finish of the match, where the uh, thumbtacks were brought in, uh, which, you know... Of course, Cactus was the one to take the big bumps onto them. The big, with a, first with a big backdrop bump onto them, you know. But then surprising everyone when he kicked out of the pedigree afterwards, which, seriously, when, when he kicked out of that pedigree, the fans in the garden went fucking insane. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. They went fucking insane. It was like one of the loudest pops I've ever heard. And now even, you know, we, we, me, my brother, and friends, we were sitting on our couch, you know, our old little sectional couch in the living room. Even we, we all flipped out, too, because we were all thinking, like, holy shit, he's going to win the title. But, of course, he didn't, because, you know, then he then took another thumbtacks bump. This time it was a pedigree, face first, right into the thumbtacks, giving Triple H the victory, and, uh, man, he had the thumbtacks right, right over his eyebrow, and, you know, it's it's surprising that he didn't get any in the eye. That 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 is he was very lucky for that. And Triple H he got a bunch of them in the knee pads, and I'm sure he's also very very lucky that he, very happy that he didn't get a thumbtack in the the cut that was on his leg. That was that would have been worse, you know, because if if he it, it was bad. I hope, I hope he got a tetanus shot after that because that was bad. Um, and again, this wouldn't be the last time they'd give us an all-time classic match because they'd go at it. One more time in a Hell in a Cell match one month later at No Way Out. But, that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> I went on for, for a good little while on that one. Can you tell that I really love this match? Oh, man. And, of course, we bring us to the Royal Rumble match for the main event to close the pay-per-view. And, honestly, I would say this is... This is honestly one of my least favorite Royal Rumble matches. I mean, it, it just is. It really is. Uh, I mean, I can't really... I mean, just... I mean, at the time, yeah, it was exciting to watch, but just watching it now, it's like there's really not much excitement at all for the match. I mean, but me, there were some moments that I did enjoy. I mean, like, like I, I enjoyed when, you know, Rikishi and Tukul danced during the match and had the fans in the garden, you know, going crazy for that. I had everybody on their feet clapping for them for it, you know. And uh, uh, the 
when the Kai and Tai and the Mean Street Posse were kept coming in because they were excluded from the Rumble match. Uh, which, of course, the, the best part of it being when Gangrel threw Takamishinoku out of the ring and they replayed, they replayed that over and over and over again. And this might be my all-time favorite elimination of any Royal Rumble match. Even though it, it, even, it's, not, it's not even a real elimination, no. uh, But still, just so awesome. Uh, oh, yeah, and also the surprise appearance of Bob Backlund. That was pretty fun. Um, I mean, just, I mean, besides all that, I mean, the match was just meh to me. I mean, I really don't have much else to say about it, except, you know, you know that The Rock eventually won the match uh, when it came down to him and Big Show, even though his feet touched the floor before Big Show. Uh, and that, you know, led to their match and a way out for the normal contender spot for the WWF title at WrestleMania. And then that eventually... Becoming the McMahon in every corner Fatal Four Way Elimination Main Event uh, that had The Rock, Big Show, Mick Foley, and Triple H, the WWF title. But again, that's a story for another podcast. And that is going to do it for this edition of Classic Wrestling Pay Per Views. I hope you all enjoyed listening to me recap this whole thing for the last mm, 25 minutes-ish, 25-ish minutes. Uh, and I also hope that you'll check this pay-per-view out whenever you get a chance, if you've never seen it before. Or if you're like me and you just like to reminisce about the older days. You know, when we were young and didn't know as much as we know now about the business. And also, please check out my previous Classic Wrestling pay-per-view reviews. You know, I have a Bad Blood 1997... Survivor Series 2002, uh, Starcade, Starcade 1997, uh, and my retro film reviews as well. My other film reviews, of course, the best rankings, uh, regular podcast episodes. All of those are found right here on the Manitides Podcast channel, uh, which you know, and you can subscribe to on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Radio Public, YouTube, wherever, wherever, wherever you can find the Manitides Podcast. You know, follow me on Twitter at IamFossilSuit for all podcast updates. Follow me on Instagram, at Fossitude, to enjoy the stuff that I post on there. Follow me on Vero, at Fossitude, on there as well. You know, like I would say, Vero is the least dramatic social media app you will ever join. It's one, it's, a, it's a nice, it's a it's a fun app. I, I enjoy myself on there. Uh, I enjoy the friends that I have on there, and the community that I'm part of on there. And also, please support podcast by donating to my Hall of Justice on Patreon for just $5 a month. Uh, I might actually change that uh, to $1 a month because, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to seem greedy. You know, $1 is reasonable. Um, the link will be in the description and check out the official Winnetize podcast store for shirts, stickers, magnets, wall art. Uh, the link to that is in the description as well. As always, thank you all so much for tuning in for subscribing, for listening. I love and appreciate every single one of you who do. I truly and genuinely do. That's not just bullshit words that I say on this podcast every week. They are from the heart. I truly mean them. And I hope you all enjoy your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Spend it with your loved ones if you can. This has been Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views from the Menetites Podcast. I am Julian, and I will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Tell me who's coming in now.